Why come to seminary? Why do we do it? And who do we do it for? We're talking about that today on Surviving Seminary. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing all right. It's a little bit rainy. And um, you say you're doing all right. You had some some pretty um, unexpected business to tend to today, right? Yep. Uh, I had a couple brakes kind of go bad, and then a couple of tires were a little low on tread depth, and so I spent a little bit more money than I was planning to spend today. Everybody does when they have to do that, right? Right. Yeah, and it's been a crazy time. Sorry, it's been a bit long since we've uh, did our episode zero to now, but we were wanting to get a good episode one kind of lined up for you, and hopefully this will end up being that. Yeah, I mean, the end of the semester was um, really crazy, and um, but it's all done, and it went well, so there's that. You just finished your coursework, and that's yep. something to celebrate. Mm-hmm. So now you've got time before... The dreaded comp exams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I had a death in my family. My grandmother passed away. Uh, So we just had kind of a lot of stuff happening that kind of prevented us from being able to uh, really get a a first good episode done. Although this is technically the third episode that we're recording right now. Right. It's out of order. Um, But it's summer now. Now we've got out of the regular semester grind and into the summer grind. So I've got an independent study to do and a bunch of reading to do for that. And I I don't know, some kind of paper to write for it. I have no idea. And you're just, you're just studying like mad. Yes. Yeah. Like mad. Well, but you know, there is, um, there's something about these things we have going on with your comp study and my independent study that, um, were it not for this thing, uh, we wouldn't actually be here talking about this. I don't, I don't just mean on the podcast either. We wouldn't actually be talking about um, this stuff at all uh, were it not for the fact that we both feel a calling right. to seminary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that's something that we're that we're serious about when we think about seminary and our seminary journey, the fact that we are called to come here, and that's not um, that. That can be a complicated um, concept and a complicated thing as it's worked out in every person's uh, life and in every person's experience. But we do believe that an essential aspect of someone's seminary journey, as uh, as they go along, is that they feel a calling to it. Yeah, and so. Noting that this is a complicated thing, we uh, definitely want to put out the caveat that this may not be the most exhaustive treatment of calling that you will ever hear, and it's probably not going to do full justice to it, but these are some of our own thoughts. Yeah, and when when Kevin says thoughts, he really means that because, I mean, we've we've tried to map out a little bit of what we want to talk about, but this is a big topic, and we really don't feel like we're uh, qualified to talk about it in the way that we wish, and that's probably the case with just about every topic, but um, this is a big topic, and so if we um, are all over the place on it, you can forgive us, or you can 
uh, you can contact us and let us know what you think about your journey or about calling in general. So feel free to do that. So um, I guess we want to put out this podcast for people who are, among other things, maybe considering coming to seminary. Um, We hope that other people are listening to it, of course, Um, not just people who are considering seminary, but uh, people who are already in seminary, what have you. And uh, But if you're part of that crowd that's considering seminary, then I think this is an important question that you have to ask, is are you called? Um, and then also we have to discuss what, what that actually means. So um, it can mean a lot of different things, I think. And um, first of all, I think it's important to remember that everybody is called in a certain sense, in a general sense. Everybody's called um, really in this world Everybody's called to respond to God as he has um, as he has made his will known, as he's made the gospel um, of his salvation known to people, um, as the gospel has played out in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, there is a calling upon everybody to hear that message and to respond. And so, um, in a sense, if you're listening to this, it doesn't matter what um, your status as far as seminary is, you're called to something. Yeah, and so that call, uh, that general calling is a call to obedience, you know, a call to faith in the gospel and to put our trust into Jesus Christ and to live a life that is in line with him. And so people respond to that in the way that they will. Um, And some people respond with disbelief and um, with a rejection of that message, and some people respond to that call with acceptance and with, um, and with joy as they hear that good news and they claim it for themselves as God is giving it to them. Um, and so there's that kind of calling, but there's also more specific levels of calling as well. Um, I think about how everyone who is a Christian, has some sort of spiritual gift. You have some sort of God-given ability. It might be a function or an extension of natural talent. It might be something that's given to you um, more specifically that maybe wasn't part of your life beforehand, but then you become a Christian and uh, you're given some sort of gifting by God and that and that gifting is given uh, for the purpose of serving the church and for the purpose of of the spread of the gospel as well. And um, so, I would consider that a more specific calling that Christians have upon them is to take what has been given to them in in varying ways and offer that back to God, offer it back in worship, offer it back in service. Like I am a worship pastor at my church; uh, I don't get paid for that. Um, it's a ministry that I uh, that I do because I have been given that talent musically. I've been given that talent, and so I want to give it back to God and serve Him in a specific way. Yeah, and so to reiterate, this specific calling falls in line with that general calling, and it's an extension of that general calling to live a life of obedience to the gospel, and so. This calling is just a, a more specific extension of that. Right. And then B 
beyond that, and I guess maybe more uh, narrowly focused, a person can be called in a vocational sense. And this is something that goes beyond the general calling that's upon everybody to follow God. It goes beyond specific callings that have to do with your giftings and really is a call toward giving one's life in a, in a fuller sense. And obviously, we're all called as Christians to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, pleasing and acceptable to God, obviously, and I don't want to minimize that. But when you think of the local pastor who gives um, a 40 or 50 or a 60-hour work week to all of the, um, in many cases, in case of small churches, maybe virtually all of the ministries of that church, mm-hmm. um, that's a vocation. And, yeah. and that's what I mean by a vocational calling. And so some people have that sort of vocation, uh, vocational calling upon their lives. So I guess the question is, um, are you are you called? Uh, the the short answer is yes, because you have the general calling. And uh, if you're listening to this, then more than likely you do have a specific calling upon you in some way, shape, or form, based on how you've been um, how you've been enabled by. God uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit to minister uh, for the sake of the church and for the sake of the world. And then um, also, do you have a vocational calling upon you? Um, maybe that's a question that's a little bit harder to answer, and, uh, and it's something that requires, uh, requires prayer, requires discernment, requires time. Yeah, and... For the most part, um, most seminary degrees are not going to be uh, something that you're going to do um, part-time. You could do some of these, like you could do a biblical studies degree just for your own personal enrichment, but typically uh, you're going to need to, you're not going to take counseling classes generally if you don't intend on becoming a counselor or whatnot. So seminary is very much about finding and preparing yourself for a vocational calling of some sort. And you might have the Lord tell you, no, you need to get a Bible studies degree for personal use, but that's going to be the minority of cases probably to seminary. So one of the major questions, uh, if you're going to put yourself through the grueling, educational, life-changing experience of seminary is the question of your will and the will of the Lord. Um, You shouldn't be coming to seminary because you think that being a pastor is going to be an easy gig for you or that you're going to become the next superstar pastor that everybody loves and the megachurch down the street. You need to do this because this is what you feel the Lord is telling you. And most of the time, the will of the Lord will actually look like your will because the Lord has called you and gifted you and given you desires if you serve him that are going to be in line with what he wants for his kingdom. He wouldn't want you to be uh, the sour pastor that's doing this against his will, serving the people. He wants people that want to serve the Lord in the way that he's called you. Uh, but there are going to be that there's that fallen part of us that maybe is thinking, you know, I could look really good if I do this. And if I have that MDiv degree behind my name or I am a expert in Greek and Hebrew or whatnot, 
so there has to be this realization that your will is not identical with the Lord, will of the Lord, but at the same time, that there's a good chance that the way you generally want to go in life and the talents that you have are kind of in line with the will of the Lord. Um, and we're going to talk more here in a minute about um, how do you figure out what what the calling is, but I just want to separate that out and you know bring it to our attention that we need to have our hearts checked. We're supposed to be living a surrendered life because we have that general call to obedience and uh, everything comes out of that and not because we want it this way. So if you're wondering still uh, in the question of um, am I called, Um, there are multiple different ways in which a person might sense a calling to seminary yeah, I mean, we could cast lots, right? That's what they did in the Old Testament, right? Right, right. And once in the New Testament. Yes. Once in the New Testament. But then, right after that, is Pentecost. Yes. And the coming of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Interesting uh, interesting playing out of events. I wonder if there's significance to that, that the last time that casting lots is done is right before the Spirit falls upon the church and a new kind of guidance takes over, and I guess that's the first one I want to talk about, would be um, one that I'm not I'm not quite so sure how common it is, but maybe it's just because it wasn't the one that really um, rang true for me in my experience, was, um, is a very, there can be a very direct sense of God's leadership and voice in your life, not saying that it's going to necessarily be an audible voice, of course, um, you can't rule that out, but a very direct sense um, that God is telling you, um, and that can come through um, th- that'll come through your prayer life, that'll come through your interaction and your um, sticking to scripture reading. That you begin to develop a very clear sense that God is telling you that um, you should go into um, either go into vocational ministry or however. Um, a vocational calling can play out, whether it's in the local church or vocational ministry in some other capacity. And it can come through ways that are a little bit less direct, but still telling and still important. Um, If you have giftings and passions, like we talked about, um, sometimes those giftings and those passions can be so strong and um, and so potent and effective that uh, that can that can act as um, as as a sign for you that maybe something uh, maybe something more needs to be done with what's been given to you than just um, than just kind of casual service. And I think that as I go down the list a little bit, um, maybe I should maybe I should have reordered it a little bit. But as we go down the list, I think that you have to remember that um, the list kind of goes in order of the most direct to least direct, I guess, and you have to be able to check some of these against others. Um, it, it could still be the case that that you might not have a vocational calling upon your life, um, even if you think you might. So it takes discernment. And another way in which that discernment might happen and, and probably should happen is, uh, you know, we're not just Christians in isolation. It's not just me and Jesus um, or you and Jesus. It's you uh, and it's the body of Christ. Uh, it's the church community that you're a part of. I hope that you're a part of a church community. The the church can can come alongside you and 
help you in discernment as far as whether this is something that uh, that merits vocational ministry and taking it to a higher level. Um, and so all of these things um, are important. All of them kind of come together, I think, or they all probably ought to, uh, as far as you discerning a calling to seminary. So yeah, Jason, I would like to take a moment to talk about how you and I personally um, experienced um, a recognition of the call of God on our lives, um, hitting on some of these parts here. Um, when I got serious about God and submitted myself to his lordship, I was in the midst of terrible attacks of doubt, uh, you know, mental academic type doubt about the veracity of the Bible and whatnot. I'd kind of grown up, um, where I had to believe, um, the Bible was a hundred percent everything, and I believe it is in what it's trying to say. But you know, I also no, I think we're I think we're like you know kindred spirits kind of in that regard because I had a lot of those same battles myself, you know, and yeah. um, and and I had to struggle through a lot of those things too, and I came out stronger on the other side for it, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I. I invested a ton of time reading books. Uh, we had uh, big church events, and one time we went out to uh, the beach as a church, a youth group, and everybody's out on the beach, and I'm over here reading an academic book because I'm trying to uh, survive my faith because I felt my heart warmed, but my brain was saying, nope, can't believe this because this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and... That's for sure a little weird. So I was just like diving in and I got this reputation as the church theologian. Um, And so I got out of high school. I wanted to go into history because I liked history, but I was like, "Uh, is this what God wants me to do? And the thought never occurred to me. Maybe I should like go to, you know, seminary because I, I didn't have any particular pastoral calling. Um, like I, I mentor and disciple uh, younger guys and things of that nature, but I didn't have this, I want to do this 50 or 60 hours a week kind of pull on my life. Um, so I didn't ever think about going to school. And one day the worship leader at my church was like, Kevin, what do you want to do? So this is the body of Christ here talking to me. And he's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, well, you know, in the perfect world, I would like to write books and I would like to maybe teach. He's like, well, why don't you go get uh, a degree in the Bible? I'm like, okay. And then he's like, and what level would you have to go to? I'm like, well, probably most of the books would be PhD level books. So I'd have to get a PhD. And he's like, well, then go do it. And so I took that and like thought about it and I prayed about it. And every time I prayed about it, I felt this sense of peace. And every time I, when I started school, I would do papers. And this is how you know it's God, because I loved writing papers. Uh, and I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're that, uh, if it's that level, man, it's got to be God. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you have to love writing papers for you to be called to seminary either. But we're, I'm called to an academic type track, so. It's kind of important for me to enjoy my job. And again, that goes back with your will versus God's will. 
I just felt so much joy, like digging into a paper and researching and finding things out in the Bible that maybe wouldn't change the world and it wouldn't make the best sermon illustration. But for me, it was just like this little aha moment that just really, you know, increased my prayer life to where I would be sitting at my desk writing a paper and feel like I was in communion with God. I, as you were, as you're telling your story, I just feel like so many things resonate with how my own experiences went. I mean, when I became a Christian, I, I also dealt, dealt a lot with doubt. And, um, I, I read voraciously, um, probably not the same sorts of stuff that you were reading. I was a little bit more of a Googler, uh, for better or for worse. And, Mm -hmm. um, but just trying desperately to hang on to my faith because I came out of a very, um, very skeptical mindset myself and a very skeptical environment religiously as well. And I had, um, very skeptical family members, you know, just a lot of stuff out of which, um, I came that, that caused me to struggle and wrestle a lot. And that's not always a bad thing to have to struggle and wrestle through things. And as I was saying before, I mean, my faith is strengthened for the, what I had to wrestle through. Um, but when I got out of college, I became a Christian and my priorities just shifted so dramatically right from the beginning, um, away from what I had been doing over to study of the scriptures, reading, reading, reading. I read so much scripture that first year, and I was just constantly in it and constantly reading commentaries and and, and all these things surrounding scriptural um, scriptural passages and and uh, and studying and writing and journaling. And I just got to the point where I said, I just wish I could do this all the time, mm. you know? And it was, it was one of those things where I kind of said it as a joke, but at a second later I thought, well, why not? Right. And, um, and, uh, I guess, I guess when I, when that thought first occurred to me, uh, what I had in my mind was the thought of doing like pastoral ministry. Mm because that was where that was what I had grown up in. Sure, I was reading a lot, but I wasn't reading like academic level books. I was not reading like academic level journals. I was I was reading more casual stuff. Not to say that that local pastors can't read academic stuff. That's not what I mean to say. Okay. But I certainly was not thinking along the lines of higher education. Like that's that's for sure. Um there was something I was going to there was something I was going to say. <laughs> And like, I felt like it was a good thing. Oh, 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 I know. I know. Um, that up until that point I was doing like the only work that I had was substitute teaching. Mm. Have you ever done substitute teaching before? Uh, no, I almost did at one point, but I actually taught, uh, adult basic education for a little bit though. So I can probably kind of sympathize. Well, I mean, I, uh, it had its good days and it had its horrible days too. Right. Um, and just, I don't know. I, I I feel like I've I've grown as far as interacting with kids since I'm a parent now, and I, I sometimes wonder about what it would be like if I went back and I did substitute teaching again. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be better at it? Would I be more understanding of of kids because I know what it's like to have kids? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I was I was hating it. Mm. I but you know I I was in it. And I was 
um, doing it all the time. And, you know, to a certain extent, I was finding myself developing little teacher-to-student relationships with with students. And I would say mostly it was like um, elementary-level education, like those kinds of classrooms that I was in. Mm -hmm. And the thought occurred to me, like, well, I'm doing this all the time, and I— I I feel like I'm able to at least um keep these kids alive for for a few hours. Um <laughs> setting and, the bar high. <laughs> and I guess the the question for me was, you know, well, am I I I wasn't really thinking yet about um so it, we're kind of backed up in time here as far as the my story goes, but I was wondering to myself, well, should I kind of redirect uh and and lean into education a little bit more because it's where I've been able to find work. It's where I've been able to find opportunity. It's what's, it's what God has given me as far as like provision and stuff like that. And, um, but still, you know, and so I, so I wondered about this because this comes back to what we were talking about of whether or not you assume that God's will is going to be miles apart from your own will, Mm. because I'm wondering to myself, well, is this what I'm supposed to do? I hate it. So I wonder, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Is right. this what I'm supposed to do? Because I hate it. Um, you know, because I was thinking, well, if God wants me to 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 go into such a such a, a role and such a career and and to bless children educationally, you know, well then maybe I just need to grow in it. And mm. so meanwhile I wasn't finding any other work, so I just kept doing it. And I just kind of kept di- not liking it. And um, it was very freeing to me when I kind of came to the realization that, no, I, I don't feel like this is what I'm being called to. Right. And um, But I still loved studying the scriptures. And I was – if it was break time, if the kids were in art class or if they were in gym class or it was lunch or whatever, you could bet I had my Bible out. Oh, that's awesome. I was – again, I was just – I was just consuming it. Um or or writing about it, writing my thoughts down, writing down my questions, and um, and it just kept that that interest just kept growing and growing and growing. And it was about that time where I said, "Well, why can't I just do this all the time?" Mm-hmm. And um, and when I approached my pastor about this again, assuming that that meant local church pastoral ministry, he kind of he he kind of felt the same thing, you know, and said, you know, that resonated with him because he saw how much I loved the scriptures. He saw how I would, you know, talk about things in small group Bible studies and, and at worship team stuff, like how I would be talking about the scriptures and dialoguing with people about it. And so I started, um, along my denomination's process toward ordination and I just, I guess I just kind of assumed that it would mean pastoral ministry because I had this narrow view of what ministry could be. I thought it was either you'd be in pastoral ministry or you'd be like a missionary. And mm-hmm. I knew I did not feel called mm-hmm. to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of in that box. And that's where I was for, for a couple of years. I was doing more like non-traditional type education. I mean, it was through professors at... Um, at different Wesleyan universities and they would just kind of correspondence like send stuff to me via email 
Um, so I would complete these courses that the denomination had for, uh, for ordination requirements. And, uh, I, on the, on the actual physical on the ground side of doing local church stuff, on the other hand, I just didn't, it just didn't feel like it was panning out. Mm. You know, I started trying to do stuff with like our young adults and try to form up like a young adult group and all these things. And I wanted it to be something really special. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted it to be meaningful for people. I wanted it to impact them spiritually, but I just couldn't seem to, I just don't feel like I was able to draw people or, or help guide people along a way toward more spiritual maturity or all the things that I was hoping for. I mean, I was okay at nerdy Bible studies and along with my wife's help, we were pretty good at planning social events, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there's a lot that's, um, kind of in between there that has to exist in between those two things. And I wasn't very, I wasn't having much success with that. Mm. And so, um, once again, uh, once again, my uh my pastor and other influential people around me in my church they they kind of they kind of saw that too you know and it was an uncomfortable thing to kind of have to come to grips with mm-hmm. but they saw that too and meanwhile my interest in the bible and studying the bible was still all the same all all the just as strong as it was before and so the suggestion was made to me like you know what would it mean to what would it mean to enter into like an educational environment as far as a vocation and as far as ministry is concerned what would that mean i mean my first reaction was somewhat defensive like what are you saying you know what are you saying i can't i can't but i kind of already knew that i wasn't doing so hot um in the way that i was going and you know, the, the idea started to resonate with me of like, well, what would that mean? You know, what would it mean to be like a teacher or a professor, a, specifically, you know, not like the elementary school teacher right. of before, mm-hmm. but someone who was a teacher of adults, which was something that I had more interest in as far as interacting with adults, um, teaching things on an adult level. Like that was what I was interested in. And, um, and so this was, um, I think really, uh, in a big way, the church, um, the voice of the Holy Spirit as, as present in those around me, um, helping me to, to kind of get out of the box that I was in, which if it was just me and Jesus, it would be a, it would be a much different picture. I say that tongue in cheek, you know, right. because really it was just me in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, it took the guidance of wise people around me to help me see that maybe there was a different direction for me. And when we started uh, exploring that, obviously, kind of like what you said, it was um, needing to realize that that would take a lot of education and a lot of time, Mm -hmm. that it would take ultimately like a PhD. And so when we started exploring seminaries, I saw um, Asbury, I saw its uh, curricular lineup for the MDiv and for MA Biblical Studies, and I thought, this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know a thing about languages, but I'd really like to. I don't know much about exegesis. I would love to. And once we came here, and and um, once we started really 
submitting ourselves, Val was actually very excited right from the get-go. Um, once we started really submitting ourselves to the idea, we just felt confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. Uh, one more thing after another would happen that would help us to see, like, yeah, this really feels like this is what's supposed to happen. It really feels like what what God wants of us. And by the time we were actually making the move, it felt like we were it felt like we were brought here on eagle's wings. Mm. We were so provided for, so supported, so cared for, and our transition from our home, which was Michigan, um, down here to Kentucky was so sweet um, because of the support of our church and because of the confirmation that we felt that it was the right thing to come here. I think it's great that you brought out the fact that you had to kind of get out of your box. Um, And that's one thing I'm constantly trying to do is realize that, you know, God may let me follow some idea of what my call is, for a little bit because it's at least getting me closer to where I'm supposed to be. And he may have to tweak that a little bit, you know, down the road on there. But one thing that you were talking about that I think we really need to talk about, we've been talking about individual calling, but you brought in your wife, Valerie and her own sense of calling. And I think that that's one thing that we have to really think about is the fact that if you're single, you really only have to call, you know, handle yourself. You only have to uh, decide if you're going to follow the call on your life. Um, Now there might be, you know, in that's speaking as a Westerner uh, in other cultures, you know, you might have to get the approval of your family. Um, And then there's that gray line of, you know, when do I follow family? When do I follow God? But I think one thing especially is your spouse. Even if you feel a call to seminary, you really need to have your spouse on board with you or else uh, it's it's kind of going to get messed up. What do you have to say about that? I, I think that this kind of brings me back to the levels of calling, mm-hmm. the part where we were talking about general calling, specific calling, because um, the fact is that there are other kinds of calling that have to do with relationships and the order in which relationships happen and the time frames in which they happen where those things are sacred things. Right. And so obviously your allegiance and your and your um submission and your submission to God, um, those things are primary and that will ultimately um that will ultimately outweigh everything when it comes down to it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not questioning that. But, you know, if you are, but if you're married, that is a sacred calling in and of itself. Yes. This goes beyond just the, the, the discussion of individual calling to vocational ministry. Marriage, we believe, is a sacred calling and that there there is a, a heavy, heavy weight that we have to ascribe to it when we're considering um, big choices that have to do with coming to seminary, um, embracing calling for vocation of ministry. Because if you're married, then the way I look at it, you were called to be married first. Right. And that's the, the, the part about that is, I mean, obviously there are situations, but your 
spouse is going to go through a lot of hardship through your seminary journey. There are going to be times where you as the student are not going to be able to pick up all of the normal loads that you would have to do and who is going to end up having to take up and carry that extra burden is going to be your spouse. And you're kind of, if you decide to go here without your spouse being on board, you're dragging them through a difficult experience that can be embittering and you don't want to be at the end of your seminary experience and you're getting your degree and your spouse is bitter and upset about the turmoil and tribulation that you've put them through to get here. Yeah. So, I mean, what's going to, what's going to make it through, um, this journey? Is it going to be your degree or is it going to be your spouse and your kids? I mean, if you have kids, you know, obviously it's your spouse and your kids, you know, so uh, easy answer. Um, I mean, I've heard, I've, I've heard stories, stories where, where one person feels a calling and the, and the other person totally does not feel that calling. And, um, that's gotta be an incredibly difficult experience, um, to be, to be dealing with on either side of it, Mm -hmm. whether you're the person who feels a calling to seminary or whether you're the spouse of someone who feels a calling to seminary and you don't, and you're not in accord. Um, and so that's that, and it's not to say necessarily that if that's the case, that, um, one person should automatically be deemed right over the other. Right. Because your viewpoints are not, are not static on this. They're, they're going to be flexing and moving and, and ultimately both of you need to be in a process of discernment um, and listening to one another and obviously listening to the voice of God and in prayer over it. Yeah. And so this is actually uh, an aspect of my own calling that uh, I think will play in this. I, similar to Jason, had put myself in a box, but I had put myself in a box that I was going to go to this certain school that was a top line, um, actually kind of an Ivy League school. And I had already been accepted in there once, um, and I was going to go back for it. um, And that was just what I had set in my mind. That was what I was going to do. And meanwhile, my wife is not sure about this. And I'm fairly sure that I'm supposed to do this. And we prayed it out and I started looking around and I looked and found Asbury Theological Seminary and there was all of this stuff about family formation and community formation and the family housing here is amazing. Uh, they do a really good job of uh, bringing the community together so that spouses are not on their own, um, you know, tending the kids while the students are making connections. And that was what clicked. Suddenly my wife, who was... She was never against it, but she wanted to make sure this was what God wanted. And she wasn't sure that, you know, where I thought I wanted to go was the way I wanted to go. And suddenly it clicked. And so that's my encouragement. If you're in a situation like Jason was talking is you need to pray it out. Is your God big enough to change the heart of your spouse? If you're the one that's leaning toward toward the right, or maybe you need to be praying that God will help clarify what you, what it is you're feeling from him so that you get into the right place. And I was going to say, like, if you, the way that it went with you is that you ultimately saw that what was more valuable um, 
was the building up of your family rather than a particular school. Right. But, I mean, it could have gone another way, potentially, Mm -hmm. where it could have been Chanda who saw that, um, that going to the school, that particular school was important, and so, like, she found value in that and and ended up supporting and obviously um it's not to say that each one was equally valid right necessarily but that theoretically um these things can go different ways and that's one other caveat or tip i should say is do not you know make sure your spouse is completely on board with you you don't want them to be you know, kind of just going along with you, especially if you're the more dominant, uh, you know, uh, spouse in the relationship um, and the other one just kind of goes along with you. You do not want to be in a situation where the spouse went along with you uh, just because you want there to be fully 100 yeah. percent committed to this. Even if you think that even if you're convinced that what you're feeling is correct, um, it's I don't, I don't consider that worth um essentially dragging your spouse along with you um for the sake of that like that call to um commitment in marriage and commitment to one's spouse um if it hap- if it's happened before you start feeling a call to seminary um i i see that as as meaning that it weighs heavier mm-hmm. in my perspective and so that um that has to be um what is upheld. Yeah. And so again, if you're in that situation where you're not a hundred percent agreement, you need to just bathe it in prayer and know that God knows the heart of your spouse and knows your heart. And you're doing, if you are choosing your marriage over going to seminary, I'm a hundred percent sure that God is okay with that. And he'll do the heavy lifting to get you guys in agreement on the right place to go because God knows what's in our hearts. He knows what he wants us to do and he knows ways to try to help us get to that place. I feel like there are probably um, thousands and thousands more words that we could say about all this. Right. Um, But then we're um, sort of running out of the different ideas that we had talked about. And, um, and with that, I think we're probably going to start wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. But um, do you have any final thoughts, Kevin? I just wanted to say that the importance of this whole bit of calling, part of it is that you will be going through a difficult time in seminary. And sometimes the only thing that will keep you going, that next paper, that next book you've got to read, that next internship you've got to complete, is knowing that this is what God's called you to do. So the more clarity that you have in this, the more you've bathed this in prayer, even while you're in seminary, you need to continue to go, God, is this what I need to do? The more of that clarity you have, the more likelihood that you will be able to hold on when the inevitable difficulties of life come. There will be family uh, situations, maybe deaths, um, all of those kinds of things. Uh, you know, personal health issues, all of those things can come into your life in seminary. And I don't know very many people in seminary that haven't had something major happen to them during their seminary career. And you need to have this calling to help you hold on. In that sense, the calling is more than just God 
um, like tapping you on the shoulder mm-hmm. and saying, okay, off you go. Yep. And then you're on your own. You know, um, the calling is what draws you in to um, um, going to seminary. It's also what sustains you through going to seminary. Yeah. Um, God is the one who calls and makes it clear um, what should happen. And then God is the one who equips for that very same journey. And we believe that if God is calling, then he will make the 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 provision. Uh, and that's obviously a big topic mm-hmm. that is, I mean, that's monetary, that's, um, that's other resource, that's emotional, uh, relational, uh, when we talk about provision, that's a big thing. But he is the one who will, um, he's the one who is, who is, who is starting it off. And so he is the one who, who must bring it to fulfillment. Yeah. Um, because if he's the one who's starting it off, then really that we, we consider that something that no one else really can bring to fulfillment in the way that it's supposed to. Mm. I could go off and, and kind of say yes to God, but then go off and do it completely my way. Mm -hmm. Um, but then is it really bringing to completion what God wanted or is it bringing something else? Right. Um, something that you don't want. Well, I don't feel very, uh, I don't feel ultra qualified to talk about this. I know Kevin, you probably don't feel the same. Nope. I'm not qualified. (laughs) And, uh, so, but, and, and this goes back to what we've talked about before, how we're not experts on really anything. So, um, we know that there's probably a lot we've left out. There's probably a lot of stuff that, um, you might have on your mind that, uh, that we've left out. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our Facebook group and, and hit us up there with a message. And, um, if we, if we hear from you and, um, and you have something to say that we, that really resonates with us that, that we think ought to be included, then we'll, um, try to do like a follow up here and there, uh, to acknowledge that. Definitely. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate you. 